Hello, hello, hello. This is Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Uh, yep, four weeks, guys. Over four weeks it's been since I posted a podcast. Big fat my fault. Um, various things are going on that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, one thing I did figure out is I figured out how to switch my server from Libsyn to SoundCloud, which is great because now I can post more often and I don't have to worry about uh, a limit on uh, on how much I can post. So I'm going to try to post more often <laughs> as opposed to less often, which has been the case for the last four weeks. When I, when I switched my thing to SoundCloud, I don't know if any of you noticed, but it uploaded all of my podcasts six times. It's because, and this is just very technical BS that's hilarious to me, um, when I figured out how to switch it, I had a thing on SoundCloud where I was importing the feed from iTunes. So suddenly my SoundCloud was putting out the feed to iTunes and importing its own feed. So it was like, it was a loop. It was like, and I'm going to post a new podcast to iTunes. Ooh, a new podcast from iTunes. And I'll post a new podcast from iTunes. Ooh, a new po podcast. So it kept uploading them and I overloaded my website uh, my SoundCloud account, I mean to say, and I overloaded the All Things Comedy website and uh, got some hate mail. Got some got some hate mail. Um, what do you why would you think that I am personally uploading all of my podcasts six times? Couldn't couldn't you entertain that that must be some sort of error? Not that like I'm just like I'm going to post every podcast ever a lot nonstop for the next three days. Why would you think that that's something that somebody would do? Uh, but the person who did think that I did that uh, called me a black attention whore. Anyway, it was just fun times. So I got them all down. I, you know, took off all the duplicates and, and now I can post a new podcast. And today's podcast is with Rhea Butcher. I'll get back to that in just a split second. Um, so, yeah, I, I just been touring around a lot, guys. And um you know, my, my attitude has kind of been like, if I don't get it up on Sunday night, then fuck it, because I like it to be at the beginning of the week, so you guys who listen to it have something to listen to at the beginning of the week. But fuck that. I'm just going to put it up when I can put it up. Hopefully, I will post things on Sunday night slash Monday morning and uh, Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. Those are the two days I want to try to post the shit. Um, so that's what I'm going to try to do. Today, I am posting it right now because I am I have two hours until I get on a plane to Montreal to do a comedy club called The Comedy Nest. So if you're in Montreal, Quebec, come out to my shows. I'm going to need as many English speakers as possible. Otherwise, I will be, quote unquote, eating my dick in front of French Canadians. And nobody wants to do that. Sacre bleu. Am I right, guys? Um... Yeah, I got a lot of shows that are coming up. Uh, I am in Montreal this week, uh, and um, I'll I'll say in the closing other places that I am because I don't have anything near me that can uh, say where I'm going to be. Um, but, you know, go to baronvon.com slash schedule, and you will see all the different dates, a lot of different places I got coming up. San Francisco Punchline. Um, I'm doing some shows in New York. I'm doing New York Comic Con. I'm also doing New York Comedy Festival in November. I'm doing the Cabo San Lucas Comedy Festival, uh, the Los Angeles Podcast Fest, guys, October 5th. I am doing a live version of this very podcast, if I can track down a philosophy professor. Um, so if you know of one in the Los Angeles area, specifically if they go to, if they teach at UCLA or USC, actually, I don't care about that, just someone that's that lives in L.A., 
that uh, might be interested in doing a podcast with a bunch of comedian assholes for free, write me an email at contact at baronvon.com. Um, also, send me your ph philosophical questions or just your life questions, contact at baronvon.com. Um, I want to try to uh, tackle them because I'm interested to know what I think the answer is to your questions as well. You know, so hell, let's let's take a stab in the dark. Am I right at what's going on in your life? And I will try to figure it out uh, in the introductions of this podcast. Uh, and also when I have guests, I will ask some of your questions in the midst, in the meat of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, what was I talking about? A bunch of different shows coming up. San Diego, Madhouse Comedy Club, San Francisco, Atlanta, Improv. Uh, the Grolics in Denver. Me and my friend Ben Kronberg are going to South Korea. Uh, there's an English-speaking comedy scene in South Korea that I'm very excited to experience. Um, and hopefully I'll come back a changed man. Um, South Korea and maybe Mexico, I have this new chunk on different stories that have happened in different places that I've traveled to, like Sweden or England. And maybe something will happen in one of those places that will that will just perfectly fill out the chunks I'm trying to fill in. Um, anyway, what else is going on? Uh, yeah, a lot of exciting news. Nothing I can really say yet, uh, cause it's not, nothing is official, but there are some things in the horizon that I'm trying to allow myself to be excited about, which is not my motherfucking pattern, guys. I do that, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop bullshit, and, uh, I don't get excited about things that are great because it can get ruined at any time by anyone for any dumb reason. So, but the thing is, someone wants to do a certain thing for me or help me with something or, you know, why not be excited about that? Sure, I only have $17 in my bank account. I'm about to go to Canada. But that's all temporary. Am I right, bros and broettes? Uh, yeah. What else? Yeah, so this podcast today is with Rhea Butcher. Uh, Rhea Butcher is becoming a good friend. She's a very funny comedian. Hasn't been doing stand-up that long, actually. Um, but I think maybe because she's a little bit grown in herself, uh, you know, comfortable in her own skin, she uh, has a lot of interesting things to say and, and to talk about on stage. And uh, she's a good joke writer. She is the fiancé of Cameron Esposito, who has been a guest on this podcast twice before. Cameron Esposito, who, by the way, if you didn't see her appearance on Ferguson, wow, it was fucking incredible. Um, Jay Leno was the guest. She's doing stand-up. They interrupted her. She went and sat down on the couch, and I was like, you should be hosting that show. And uh, not that I dislike Ferguson. I don't dislike Ferguson. I think that Cameron Esposito should also have a show uh, because she's that's like her wheelhouse possibly. Um, but Rhea is her fiancé, and Rhea and I have started to become pretty good friends. Uh She's, I, I, there are certain people you just get a good vibe off of. You know what I mean? Like, you just get a good feeling about who they are and what they have to offer. And Rhea Butcher is one of those people. So I just, I just, I'm like, whenever I see her, I'm like, that's a good person over there. That person right there, that's a good person. Never think that about Cameron. But Rhea, all the time, all the time, I'm like, yeah, I like her. Um, so we sat down and we talked about isolation. We have a lot in common. Uh, we talk a lot about television different TV shows that we're watching and what we think about them. We also talk a little bit about the Trayvon Martin case. Uh, we really talk about why we don't talk about it. 
Um, so that'll give you a, 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 an idea of when I actually recorded this podcast is that that was still fresh in America's minds, what the, the post Trayvon Martin situation. Uh, I didn't really post a lot about it. Uh, and you'll hear why. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, all things comedy network guys, uh, all things comedy.com. They are also doing a new all things comedy live an ATC live show at Largo in Los Angeles. The next one is going to be uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, which I think is like the 27th or something dumb. Uh, no, the 24th or something. I don't know. The la- This Tuesday that's coming up in October. If you're in Los Angeles, there is an ATC show at Largo. Go to allthingscomedy.com and it'll give you the, the details. I am not on that show, not performing on that show, but Bill Burr is. Uh, Neil Brennan is. Greg Barrett uh, it'll be a fantastic show, and um, yeah, I'll be I'll be just out in the world, guys. Fucking touring, selling my wares, getting this hour, this new hour, tight as fuck. <laughs> anyway, Rhea and I talk about isolation, like I said before, and uh, something that we both experience and struggle with. So here you go. <laughs> I guess it's weird because it's like there's not a lot of states that have multiple major cities in them. Yes. And it's like besides Ohio, any state that you name, I can name the major city in that state pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Ohio, I think of three. Yes. All of them start with C. Columbus, yes. Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And only Texas is the only other state I can think of where it's just like, yeah, Houston, Dallas, and Austin. But what about California? Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco. I just think LA and San, and San Francisco. Okay. San Diego, no, you're, you're right. No Sacramento. I mean, I feel like fuck that. You know, Golden State. No, no. Warriors. I was just thinking about that city the other day, and it's hilarious to me that it calls itself Sacto. Sacto. Yeah, oh, it's just a weird god combination Sactoplasm. of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's just a combination of body parts that you don't want to think too yeah, much about. Mm, nah. Sacks and toes. <laughs> Gross. Why would you name so you're sweaty and smelly? <laughs> and the worst got a things. nail on you. Um, <laughs> Tiny yeah, nail. it's an interesting place. You've been there, right? Sacramento? Sacto? No, yeah. I haven't been to Sacto yet. Oh, you haven't? No, I have not. Okay. I just went to San Francisco for the first time. What were you there for? Uh, the dark room. Did it uh, put your hands together? Then. Right, right. Put your I, hands together I was there, there for like 18 hours or something. What did so, you think about it? Oh, I loved it. I mean, because we got there, dropped our stuff off in Fisherman's Wharf, got out of there, went to the mission, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I turned a corner from the dark room and there is a liquor store slash vegetarian gel- deli called Ria's spelled the same way. So any city wherein I encounter my own name on a and values, yeah, with your alcohol and values, vegetables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it immediately. And I asked the, the, the guy behind the counter if they had any cards or stickers. He was like, no, but here's this. And he gave me a receipt. So interesting. That was pretty cool. Did you buy any vegetables or alcohol? I didn't because we just had burritos. So. So no alcohol. So no alcohol. Why does it upset your stomach? Well, recently I've been on a non-alcohol kick for about two or three months now. Why is that? Just uh, like moving here, Mm -hmm. you know, driving a lot is a a big thing. And just like sort of recalibrating my wants and needs. Right, because you were in Chicago and using, what, I assume a combination of bikes and public transportation. Bikes and public transportation and drinking is like totally the thing there. Because of those two reasons, you can... Same in New York. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get paid in drink tickets. 
which doesn't super often happen out here, which I think is good cause because anytime I get any sort of payment, I want to use that payment. <laughs> like if somebody paid me in a pinata, I would break it immediately because like I want to make sure that I get paid. Yeah, you, you know? want to so, like, get out of it what you're going to get out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Give me the candy. So, yeah, that's pretty much why. Give and me the just, candy also, by the way, is just a good... It's just a good mantra for life. Yeah, I think Give if I'm ever on Saturday Night Live, hopefully that's going to be my catchphrase. Give, Give me the, the candy. candy. <laughs> exactly. How do you like that? How do you like that character? You, you, listeners, you didn't see the face that she made <laughs> at the same time. Good face. Thank good. you. Give me, the, give me the candy. Give me the candy. Give me the candy cam or something. Give yeah. me the Candice. <laughs> yeah. Candice. Give me the candy. That's what they. <laughs> or her name is Candy. All right, doesn't Yeah. Um, but anyways, you were saying you were uh, saying no non-alcohol kick. Yes, non-alcohol kick, which. You know, it's pretty good. And eating better. Just a bunch of different choices. Not just the non-alcohol thing. Mm -hmm. Like trying to be a little more athletic, get some exercise, try to read a little bit more. You know, all that stuff. Well, and are you achieving those things? Pretty much. (laughs) You know. Well, what does it mean be more athletic as well? Were you an athlete younger? Yes. Okay. Like I was super into basketball. Uh Absolutely loved basketball. Then I started skateboarding. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Real into that. Skated in a van. I can tell, I can tell by some of the hoodies and the hats that you wear. <laughs> yes, in the general, you know, style and swagger that mm-hmm. I swag. <laughs> yeah, swag. Swagger. You say swagger, that's all you know. You're a skater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you said swag, it'd be something completely different. Totally different. Okay. Uh, and then when I was in Chicago, I was riding my bike everywhere, mm-hmm. like everywhere, until I got into an accident, and then that kind of stopped that for a while. An accident, a bike accident. You got hit by yeah, a car. Flipped over my handlebars and uh, broke my ribs. Which takes a long time to heal, and I was a bit gun shy after that, you know. That's right. I've heard you shy. talk about that on stage a little bit. Yes. Waiting for your rib, you can't do anything. You just have to. No, sit you just there. have to wait. I mean, you can't. I also had um, emergency appendix surgery when I was about twenty-three. Very similar types of things because they cut through, you know, your ab- abdominal. They cut my six-pack open, is what I'm saying. Okay. And so you forget it became how two, much three you packs. use. Yeah, exactly. It was little tiny pods, you know, little like water pods. pods. Yeah. Um. But you forget how much, how much you, you use, use your that core. part of your body. Yeah, it's called your core, time. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You forget about your core until you're laying flat, and then you can't even flip your body sideways because of it. Oh. So yeah, I broke those ribs, which still hurt. It's like a weird part of your body that you just you can't you can't put a cast on it. Is it phantom pains, or is it just they're know. just still injured a little bit? I mean, it could be phantom pains and like sailors' injuries. You know that kind. Of, you know, like humidity. Affecting your bones and all oh, that stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's called sailor's injuries? I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because they always are feeling, oh, my bones. Arr. My bone, me bones. I feel it in me bones. I feel it in me bones. They're always feeling things in their bones. Always feeling stuff in their bones. It's like, why don't you just feel it with your hands? It's going to yeah, be so much easier. Just feel it. There's bones your... in your hands. Yeah. No, no, no. Not those no. bones. Me knees. Me knees. <laughs> my knees can feel the cheese. <laughs> um, okay. Interesting. Uh, so you're being more athletic in what ways? Um, walking around, trying to ride my bike here, mm-hmm. which is okay. It's just, Aren't have, there, are there bike paths or? Yeah, there's one over by the five, I think. Right. Like um, a long, like Griffith I'm, Park kind of? Yeah. I mean, it's paved, so I'm into that because I don't have like a trail bike. My bike is very much a city bike. It's a fixed gear and, you know, judge it if you want to, but it's very helpful in Chicago where it's flat. Right, really right. Enjoy having that amount of control of my bike. I use brakes, so I'm not a weirdo. But a fixed gear is very hard to ride here, right? With like right. hills and stuff, right? Especially going down them because you get a bunch of momentum, and then your wheels are, you know, you're just pedaling like crazy, and your butt's flying out of the right. saddle, right? And so. just trying to keep some sort of control over the damn thing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You okay. have to pay attention, which I enjoy. But 
also. So bike riding, getting some some air and sunlight. Yeah, mountain hiking. Uh, a little know, hiking, stuff okay. like that. This is just basic stuff that that seems like it doesn't do much, but it does a lot. Yeah, you know, just even walking around for half an hour. Because I realized when I was, you know, I worked downtown, I would take a lunch break for an hour, walk around for an hour at like a really crazy pace. And then now I'm working from home during the day. I just work, 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 and then watch Netflix at night, which is not <laughs> very much exercise. Yet. Yet. Do a little couple not sit-ups. Yet. Can you do sit-ups? Yeah, I can do a couple sit-ups. While you're watching Netflix. Yeah, and then do some pregnant lady push-ups. Pregnant lady. Do five sit-ups at the beginning of a show, at mm-hmm. the beginning of an episode of House of Cards. Yeah, I mean, I am watching the Orange is the New Black, so yeah, I feel yeah. like I needed to do a prison workout to... while I'm watching oh, that. there you go. I need to start watching it. I have a friend that's on it. Which friend? Uh, her name is Uzo Aduba, and as far as that, people who have watched it said, oh, yeah. she's the crazy one. That's what they say. Ooh! Awesome. You know, she's you great. know exactly who that she's is. She's great. She's, she's got like little hair. twist braids, yeah. right? Yeah, she she's great. Yeah, I went e- to actually uh, everybody on that show is amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, they're it's I've, here, man. That's the thing about um, is it Kenji? Uh, Genji. Genji. Genji Kohan. Kohan. I always flip the letters. Yeah, she really does write people well. Even even like, weeds crazy people, and by crazy I don't mean like mentally unstable. I mean crazy examples of human beings that are totally unbelievable in and of themselves but then you put all those people in a situation it somehow becomes believable right i don't even know where what her background is i mean i only heard of her through weeds yes when weeds was on it's like oh that's the person that created weeds but before that i don't know where she came from she was a writer on something big i feel like it makes that i can't she has to be yeah she sold a show to showtime totally and they were like yeah let's do it and it was really (laughs) popular for a while yeah until you got until until the boys got too old until it got really weird well i watched the first two seasons did you watch weeds yes i watched weeds religiously i think i started to fall off whenever they left when they went to the beach i don't know how into this i am and was albert brooks was their dad yes First or like of all, uncle or, or, or was uncle he something. Dad? I don't remember. I, yeah. But I love yeah. Albert Brooks. Yeah. I was like, Albert Brooks, nice. But that's the season I fell off. Where I was Me just kind of like, what's that? Because you know what it was? It was, I think, at the end of the second season, she started dating that FBI agent, played by Martin yeah. Donovan. <laughs> yes. And yeah. then. Who was he, great on that show. Who was great, and he's just a good, good actor yes. in general. Did you watch Boss at all? First I did season? not, but Ooh. you have told me of its. He's in the first amazingness. season. Of Boss. Cool. He's great. Um, but he. Uh, oh, gross. He um, was... Never look under the exactly, coaster. Exactly, under the coaster. Never look under the coaster. Isn't that a saying that somebody has? Somebody it said it. now. It's a saying. That's my second has it been said? character. It's a saying. Yeah, exactly. Give me the candy and don't look under the Never coaster. Never look under the coaster. <laughs> so, he... His character, spoiler alert if you, for if weeds. You know, his character is an FBI agent who finds out that was it Nancy? Nancy. Nancy Mary Louise Parker's character is this matriarch of a of a freaking uh, marijuana ring. Yes. And he starts to kind of blackmail her or something. <laughs> yeah. And then it gets the, the 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 tension at the end of the season finale is like, what's gonna happen? Yeah. Then the beginning of the next season is. Oh, we just killed that guy. Yeah, that guy's dead. In the first five minutes. It's the worst. He's dead, and there, and I'm like, there's no yeah. no consequences. No, I'm just like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. What, what happened to that guy? That's a gigantic deal that a yeah. federal agent went missing. It was definitely, well, moving on, you know? Like, exactly, because I was like, oh, that's interesting, because if they kill him, then, like, he's going to be searched for by other federal, there's, who knows what other federales will come yeah. around. <laughs> but, like, they just like, no, we're going to the beach. I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, and then the, there's like those two other guys, the gay 
FBI guy? Yeah, I don't know. There's a gay FBI guy? Yeah, the other guy. Anyway. I don't remember. I'm having... It was like, I distinctly, I always remember gay characters in shows. Even uh, if it's like vaguely alluded to, I'll be like, you know the gay one? But, uh, gay- <laughs> yeah. Because you I feel just, represented and you're like, oh, I gotta like, see oh, how they're gonna, I am. I gotta oh, see how they're gonna do this. I'm definitely gonna die. Am so, I gonna be upset or okay? <laughs> is my life the worst or absolutely horrible? Is this Shakespeare? Because I will die. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, that show, I also was really bummed not to uh, belabor weeds too much, but when they moved away from, I cannot remember the characters' names at all, but, um, you talk about Romani Malko and like the black family. Yes, the black family. Especially once, because once she had that, that tension was... with him, and then he started sleeping together. Yeah, and, just and kinda... then they, they, like they that relationship had built itself in a fairly realistic way and manner for like so long to then just be like, well, we're moving away. And now these people aren't. I mean, I know like they're bound to the people coming back as actors and stuff, but it also is just like, well, and why you know did what? I spend so much time with this if it's just going to go away? Those are the big X factors that we can't like. Yeah contracts and what actors could did and didn't want to come back totally. and how much and what who did they have with that, that's always the danger when you write when you have a show that becomes popular <laughs> is that yeah. the actors become popular then they don't want to be on the fucking show anymore totally suddenly you've spent all this time like building creating these characters and creating this world and then you've lost three important pieces <laughs> yeah. out of five you've lost the world and you're just like well i guess we're just gonna have to change the fucking world yeah. then that's what's so great about like mad men i think because they knew that there would be a time limit. There's like a term limit to Same the show. Same with Breaking Bad, yeah. So they're like, okay, well, I can be on board with that, and I can wait this out, and I can do this other stuff during this time period. And they're working with their schedules a lot, as far yeah. as I know. But also, who doesn't want to be on a fucking critically acclaimed show where you just people are just knocking it out of the park yeah. every damn episode? Fucking ass. I was just talking about that. Uh, I watched Planet of the Apes last night, I think, for like... Which one? The first one. The, the original. The pla- 1968 Planet of Charlton the Apes. Charlton Heston, which was an Charlton episode of Heston. Mad Men uh, yes, last season. which is what... Yeah, that episode of Mad Men was fantastic. Right, Martin this Luther King Jr. is assassinated. It was amazing. Yeah. The whole season blew my mind. I feel like it's totally underrated. Like, people are really underrating this season. Well, it's just because it's it's gotten too popular. Yeah. That's why I don't really talk about it too much or want to talk about it because I just want to experience the damn show sure. instead of everyone's opinions about yes. it before I experience it. I only show. watch or check out opinions in retrospect. Like exactly. I, I always, I'm definitely like spoiler free about that show because it totally, it, it informs your viewing experience of that show so much that you can't find the things you want to find anymore. Plus the other kind of refreshing thing, when I was in uh, Vancouver for the first season of my mm-hmm. TV show, I lived in this, I did this thing where I, I lived in between downtown Vancouver and this, this suburb called Burnaby because I figured uh-huh. we would have this – the studios would be in Burnaby. So I didn't know how much we'd be shooting downtown. So I picked a place that was equidistant, and it was a neighborhood called The Drive, Commercial Drive is the name of the area. And I was like, oh, that's cool because it's like a neighborhood, and I'll get like a genuine Vancouver experience. But here's the thing. I don't know anyone in fucking Vancouver. So I was staying in this residential area – where uh, there were a lot of families and a lot of people around, and uh, no, I, like it wasn't good. <laughs> I, I got lucky that this this woman who was, um, uh, I think she's like the second or third AD on the show. Her and her partner lived down the street from me, so I was like, okay, well, I can see Kathy and Holly a little bit, but even though I didn't see them because they were fucking family, they got right. shit to do. Um, but then I stayed in this house these with these guys. These, these guys owned this house basically, and they. They fucking fixed that shit up. But they had this little... 
if you think of the house as three quarters, right? They had this one four, fourth of it, a quadrant of the house. On the bottom right was an apartment that they rented out, <laughs> like a mother-in-law apartment. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's where I stayed. Now, it contributed to my depression a little bit because I was very away from everybody. The apartment was kind of dark, even though it was summer in Vancouver, which is gorgeous. The internet wasn't the most amazing. There are little things I didn't think of, like I'm in Canada. It is a different country, so me using my cell phone is roaming charges. Oh, there's no Netflix in Canada. <laughs> like, Netflix doesn't work. It didn't work. They were, there's Netflix You're Canada now. Me. Yeah, there's Netflix Canada now, but, like, we take for granted that this is an American website. So when I tried to sign into it, it's like, you're out of the country. That's what it would say to me. And I used an IP blocker to fool it. And Netflix was okay with it because you still have to be paying for a Netflix account right, to use it. Right, you're still subscribing. So Hulu? Yeah. Because it, it's free, they switched that shit up. Oh, yeah. Like, you use an IP blocker, and then like a week later, they've programmed it to block that IP blocker. It's like, nope, we know, we know, we know. We're Hulu. <laughs> yeah. We're Hulu. Get the fuck. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that I was uh, incredibly isolated, and they did have cable a little cable in this little television but i don't have a dvr i don't have my shit so if i wanted to watch a show i just had to be home <laughs> you had to be there and Mad Men was on and i was like i am just gonna be home on sundays i'm just gonna be home at sunday at nine i'm gonna watch Mad Men. what summer was this what season of Mad Men was this, this was the summer of well if this is 2013 this be the summer of 2011 Okay, so this is what season? Nope, nope, four. Nope, summer two thousand ten. This is summer two thousand ten. Eerily similar to my experience of moving to Oregon for a brief period of my life. Oh, really? Which is being super isolated in graduate housing during the summer. Did you go to graduate school there? I did. Oh, for mm, a quarter. Okay, well, I'll let you finish the story. Then I wonder what the fuck you went to graduate school. Absolutely. And I went a little bit too early, so I had to stay w- at a friend's house who was down the road from where my, like, graduate thing was, and that was okay, briefly. And then I moved into this graduate housing thing, which was, like, right on campus at uh, University of Oregon in Eugene. Mm-hmm. And the apartment was awesome. It was cool looking. It was just, like, a studio, lofty-style thing. Like, just right. all one room with concrete floors. I did not have a bed. Because Ooh. I was cheap, so I slept on a concrete floor for about a month before somebody gifted me a mattress. This is pre-bed bugs outbreak, so I wasn't, like, weird about it. Wow. <laughs> so I was, like, sleeping on this floor, and then I found Surf the Channel. Oh, yeah. Because you know? like, I was just like, I, I can't. It was so beautiful, but it was, like, painfully beautiful there that I didn't. It's the same situation. I didn't know anybody. It was completely culturally different than Chicago, right. which is where I just came from. I knew one person, and she had just started a relationship, so she was, like, into that. She's also very much a loner and not super into hanging out too often. But then when and when a loner gets in a relationship, yeah, then it's goodbye. like, now I'm alone with this other person <laughs> yeah. all of the time. We like to hang out a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. that Yeah, and I just didn't... Everybody was super nice. I just didn't super get along. It just wasn't comfortable. So I spent... I think I watched uh, one through four Rocky... <laughs> Like, at least 16 times each. Not kidding. Like, it was one of those situations where I'd put on Rocky 1 and then watch Rocky 2. And then be like, well, do I want to go with 3 or do I want to watch start start with uh, 1 and 2 again? You know, like, just put it on a loop kind of a thing. 
That's incredible. Which is what I used to do when I was a kid. You know, I would just like watch movies over Dalmatians all day long. Why did you do that? Why do you? I don't know. It's like a weird coping mechanism or something. Kind of, it's a routine. It's yeah, something you're familiar with. It makes you feel good. Like, well, maybe it'll be a little different this time. Maybe I'll notice something (laughs) else. I used to have an old joke about uh, because it was just like you know doing stand up in New York and getting home at all hours of the fucking night, and then sometimes I just wasn't ready to go to sleep. You know, I needed to unwind a little bit oh, yeah. or whatever. You're all amped from right. You're all amped up, from being doing a stand-up show and then fucking and <laughs> sitting in silence on the subway <laughs> yeah. um, for like 30 minutes, and then okay, I guess I'm walking down the street and I'm home now, and it's 2:37. I should go to sleep. Blah, 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 but sleep. I am amped. I'm amped, pumped. <laughs> Let me get some Coca-Cola and put on Shawshank Redemption. That's what the, that was it's, the joke is that I would turn on the TV and it just seems like there's certain channels that just seem to always be playing the same movie at the same night. And then I just watch it like, oh, something different will happen. Like, his Shawshank won't be redeemed. That was the old joke. <laughs> oh, yes. What? Oh. I remember now. What? Do you, know, do you know that joke? I think you said it the other night. I think I heard it the other night and it uh, cracked me up. Oh, Jesus Christ. Shawshank maybe, will not be redeemed. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I threw it out. Sometimes, you know, something from the vault comes from your brain. <laughs> yeah, every now and um, Yeah, so, yeah, I just had, to, had the experience of being at home to watch Mad Men, which I think is one of the cool things about the show is that you're not watching it all in one swoop. You have to like, you have to wait. Got to wait a oh, week. Oh yeah. And we I actually don't think that's that one anymore. of the shows these days that 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 pays off. I absolutely agree. That I can't actually. It is. It's okay. It's too so intense. I binge watched Breaking Bad. Ooh. And it was too I intense. Did too. I like did I too. can't actually believe that I did that because. Yeah. I remember I watched it with an ex, um, and I was actually I'm trying to work this out as a joke. Like we we binge watched three seasons, and I think we started. You know, we would watch like two episodes of a show a night. That was like our thing, and then we started watching that, and we were spending all weekend. And I think we finished three seasons in a month. Yeah, I mean it was in, and we were walking around. I mean I know people make that joke all the time that it's more addictive than meth, but it does take a toll on you mm-hmm. to watch that storyline, and uh, it is so intense that like I think the last season we had broken up, and I um because I was like two years ago or something anyway so, and something happened with a character that I was watching that show Breaking Bad by myself. Something was revealed about a character, and I turned to my right and said, I told you to my ex who was no longer there anymore. Wow. That is how intense that show is. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not making it up. I was like, I told you to no one. Can to I know that, what, like, what was the revelation? I can't remember what it is. Oh. I'm glad I can't because it would be a huge spoiler. I told you. Oh, wait. I'm alone. Oh, wait. Right you're now. not here anymore, and I can't <laughs> call you because you refuse to talk to me. Because wow. I honestly would have called her and been like, I told you it was b- whatever. Right, right, right. Shit. So anyway, I'll have to sad. rewatch the last season <laughs> so I can tell you. No, no, it's um, totally fine. I don't want to know. But that's how I feel about Mad Men is it's, it's like right beneath Breaking Bad in its amount of tension. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a more believable tension, a more realistic well, Mad tension Men, yeah. or, you know, I... I the st- that's what's kind of amazing about like like Breaking Bad. The stakes are high because we're talking about crime and sure. life and death and people are getting killed and people are going to go to jail and it's this is illegal and yeah. you know it's it's drugs it's it's right. it's, it's an, a giant illegal thing for the most part unrelatable characters. But Mad Men yeah. is like this very subtle, very nuanced kind of like oh shit it's right. it's classic soap opera except better than that. But like it's like. <laughs> 
It's just like the stakes are so high for real, really realistic circumstances. Yes. And also echoing what's, you know, people are like, I can't believe it used to be like that. Yeah. It used to be like that. What are you talking about? It still is. <laughs> and that's a big thing. Like a lot of people have gotten turned off from the show at the beginning of it because they are very sensitive to the the racism and the sexism oh, yeah. that are, that is depicted. But it's like, it's the fucking 60s. Like... And like I and also I was like I'm interested to see how those things play out. Me too. Like if those characters have any grow to have any sort of awareness of the situation that they're in, which is right. why an episode with like with Martin Luther King with like the, the assassinations having happened because pre-assassination everyone was just kind of happy go lucky, then this gigantic event happens at JFK, it changes everybody's opinions, it changes how everybody just acts. And then the same thing with Bobby Kennedy and the same thing with Martin Luther King Jr. where they're just kind of like, whoa, whoa, why are we even doing yeah, this? Yeah, and then the war is happening. And, Vietnam's you know, happening. Yeah, exactly. And realizing for me, like, as a person who obviously didn't live through that mm-hmm. but has read about it and been taught it, what's going on, and I know this is fictionalized. It's it's a fiction show, so I don't, right. I, I, don't get me wrong that I think, like, oh, it's so real. But also to see from some point of view what new york was like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i also uh was a kid during a time period when new york was the scariest place you could possibly go right right. (laughs) in the united states in the 80s right my idea of new york and still even having been to new york numerous times i still experience it the same way that uh you know tom hanks does in big like the first night he's there in the hotel like pushing his his dresser in front of the door like that's what I, those are always my ex- expectations of new york so to see it as like a clean like pretty city or something that still, is rough. Sort of depic- still rough because it's a city depending on which part of new york you're in like sure. like the neighborhood that peggy li- has lived in in the last season. absolutely but that's what i mean like that that sort of being seen more mm-hmm. you know it's always been there but now they're showing it because like ev- everything's being more Everything's becoming more diverse in exactly. the world because of these things that are happening. Exactly. Because of the war, because of everything. And that's what's fascinating to me about it is that this is an era – this is where the modern era started. Yes. I think it's, it's the seeds of, of what we are as a country now started then. Before that, this post-World War II, like 40s and 50s America, which is where the show kind of starts. That's what Don Draper is. Oh, yeah. He's the fucking He's 50s. 1950. But then, now you're seeing that he's... And Roger is 1940. And, exactly. And, you know, Cooper um, is... Cooper's, yeah, Cooper's 19, the 30s. And, 1910. Exactly. So, they still have these ideas that are that are, yeah. that are are classic, but starting to become outdated, especially when you have people like Peggy, and you have people like, uh, what's the what's the Jewish guy's name? Ginsburg. Ginsburg, yeah. And like... Which, Ginsburg... Ginsburg, exactly, okay. exactly. But then, like, now there's a black assist. There's Dawn. Who's, oh, yeah, like, which the, I was her like, name is Dawn. It's so good. It's so funny. And also that last season where it's like you find you saw a little bit of her world. Yeah. You saw a little bit of, like, I'm like, oh, good, good, good. Dawn's going to become a bigger, bigger, better character. Totally. And also the actress is attractive and good. She's and then, great. And her and Peggy, the interactions that her and Peggy, like. And the other, the, the Peggy's assistant at, before they combined who is a black woman as well. Yes. And it's just kind of like, ha-ha, things are starting to change. People are growing sideburns. Like, people are growing <laughs> yeah. bigger ties. The colors are starting to happen. Dawn is still stuck in this thing. But now, like, the world is starting to be- become different. The priorities are starting to become different. You know, TV exists. Yep. And TV's in every single home. And it's just interesting to see that dynamic, how they've 
are showing that dynamic change. But now we're talking too much about television. Now we're just in TV. We 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 need to get into what 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 kind of deep shit. Well, see, I mean, I think that is part of my deep shit. Oh shit, is my obsessive obsession with TV. The TV, television. Yeah, I mean, because I the thing that I was telling you about is that I'm an only child, mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time alone because mm-hmm. I also have divorced parents. Mm-hmm. My parents have been divorced the whole time. Let's say let's let's name this isolation. Sure. How about that? All right. You mentioned that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, isolation. Yes. We're kind of in there. Go. Your parents are divorced. Sounds good. Only child. Only child, and my parents are both not remarried. They're both still single. Oh, when did they divorce? And like incredibly single. I mean, I'm not trying to poop on my parents. I think they're happy where they are. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. But um, they've dated and stuff. But I never was a part of that experience. You know. Right. So they um, they when when did that happen in your life? I. They were divorced, give or take, the same year I was born. Oh. Actually, give. I mean, they were not divorced before I was born. They were still together when I was born. They were married for about three years. But you remember them more divorced than anything else. I have only a memory of them divorced. So you were really young when they were together. I was a baby. But as far back as your memory can go, they weren't together. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I have some childhood memories of them doing things together with me as parents, but... Now, as an adult, I real you know you start to learn what was going on for them. You know when you start to learn that some an adult is a person and not just an entity or whatever. So then I realized like oh this was like a whole exercise. You know <laughs> like, right right it was not really this is not typically what this is. So yeah, but they've been you know I was always I was doing visitation from as early as I can remember, going over there twice a week. So when you say incredibly single, what do you mean? Um. Well, like, my mom would tell me about people she was dating. I never met them. And then my dad, I he never talked about... I mean, my dad's side of my family is very much like, we don't talk about that. Hmm. You just don't talk about relationships. It's almost, like, too personal. Right. <laughs> Which is a hard thing to come out to, you know, if a, <laughs> like, that whole level. But, um, yeah, he didn't really have... He didn't talk about that with me. And then they they never remarried, so they're two. I have two single parents. Or do you think and they're I am introverts? a single person? Yeah, I feel like they're like my mom is definitely an introvert. She is social, but I feel like in unless pushed, she will stay by herself. And then my dad is like very social, but would prefer to be alone, which I think is kind of how I am. How you are, yeah. Which is like I loved i as far as i can remember being a kid i wanted to be out of my house whether it was like playing by myself outside or being at my friends houses like i always wanted to be at my friends houses. but you wanted to do your own thing yes it's still even though you might want to be with somebody else you were still it was still an individualistic kind of fire under your ass to do i'm gonna do what i want to do right now yeah i get yeah i never really thought about it that way but you're totally right well that's what i was gonna ask was like what kinds of habits do you think that you learned from them just kind of watching them be single people? You know, like, what are you aware of that you're like, oh, I do that. I am that. Oh, yeah. Well, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just talking about this last night, actually. My dad is like, a, I would not say that he's a biker, 
because he doesn't t- he doesn't take on that ho- entire lifestyle of what you mean he- like motorcycles. Yeah, he's okay, really okay. into motorcycles, but okay. but not you know when you think of like biker, you think of like a dude in leather and black and that's well, I think of the gang. I think yeah. of like it's a community. Hell's Angels or something. Right. He's a loner. Like he ref- he doesn't like to ride with people. He likes to ride by himself. He doesn't even like to have anybody on the bike with him. You know, he's very much the uh, like just loner, like getting out there. Um, and he would buy motorcycles for like. An old guitar and then half of a Volkswagen that he was working on, like trade that for a bike that didn't run, get it running, then fix it up, have this bike for a little while, then he'd trade it for the next thing. Like, I'm very into that. Like, I'm always like, ooh, how much is that worth? You know, like looking on eBay for boots instead of buying boots and just having boots. You know, like I can't, I I have to have a methodology for everything. There has to be like. A justification, like in terms of like fixing it up. Exactly. Okay, interesting. So you'd fight, lead by like a kind of relatively old pair of boots and then like what, hammer oh, yeah, nails yeah, yeah. into them and Get them resold, put some them. new laces in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cobble my own shoes. Well, it's a creative project. Yeah, it's an outlet. Huh. And, and it also, I think it feeds, I'm going to assume it feeds his ego because he likes to be able to say like, yeah, look at that thing that I made. He put his imprint on it. Exactly. Mm. He did it. Um, which, you know, I think that's why that led me to like, the things I did in college, which is like fine arts degree, and mm-hmm. then you know things like stand up. What kind of fine <laughs> arts degree did you get? I have a bachelor of fine arts in printmaking. I don't even understand what that means. Which, in and of itself, no one at my school was getting them anymore. Like no <laughs> one had gotten a degree in specifically that. You could get a degree in in uh, a practice like photography, graphic design, painting, painting and drawing, um, sculpture, that stuff. And I was like, well, what about printmaking? They're like, oh, we don't. Nobody does that anymore. And I was like, well, here you go. I'm going to do it. You told me no, so I'm going to do it. Here is the name of your solo show. (laughs) You ready? Give me the candy. (laughs) Reassance. It's not a renaissance. It's a reassance. It's a reassance, yeah. Because that sounds like a renaissance-like skill. It actually is. Great call. Because that's how I um, argued my point with them. Because even physically in the architecture of the art building that I was going to school in, it was the center. Because they had taken over an old car dealership. Mm -hmm. And the printmaking studio was in where I think they used to like intake cars to fix. Or where they would get the new cars and stuff. So it was actually like the the spokes would come out of printmaking. Because when you think about it, printmaking is a process. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, of the explain things. printmaking. Yeah, I'll get into I'll get into the deep shit of printmaking. <laughs> um, it's like su- it's just as old as drawing because, like, as soon as you can draw, you can make copies of drawing. Right. You know, so it's basically any process where you can replicate something. Mm. So photography technically is a type of printmaking. Right. It's it's born out of that. So like screen printing, lithography. Um, Intaglio is like super old. Um, photogravure, that's a thing too. Mimeograph. Mimeograph, yeah. Relief printing, you know, like um, Japanese prints. Hmm. All that stuff. What an interesting fucking, but that's so individualistic of you. Sure. And this is exactly what you're talking about where it's just kind of like you are taking something and recreating it. Oh, yeah. As you do with boots. Yeah. As your dad does with motorcycles. And it's... Printmaking can be at the same time about perfectionism right. and about uniqueness, you know, because each print, like originally being a printmaker would be like having consistency, you know, and then right. the more an art form becomes irrelevant, 
the less you have to be perfect about it. You know, like photography is not irrelevant anymore, but you know, once it was not like the only way to document something, we have like video and we have cell phones, all that stuff. Now, now there's like a freedom to it where you can do whatever you want. Right. But um, it's kind of defined itself more as a form. Exactly. As opposed to just the only thing that is. Yeah. You can take a photograph of it and that's it. Right. But now there's moving pictures. Yeah. Now there's moving pictures. There's yeah. Projections, all kinds of stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah. So that's what I did. There was a, something that was going into the printmaking, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of why, cause I think printmaking is actually also really similar to stand up comedy as well. Right. Cause you well, have an idea. Your individualistic and then your pursuits. Perfection, you know, trying to, trying to cobble it get out. Get it right. You know, like get it to the, its best form and then do, do that as many times as you can. But then also be open to it expanding. Exactly. And growing and things happening that you weren't planning on. Yeah, things that you didn't expect. Because oh, now this is part of it. Yeah. Like, for example, specifically in lithography, how familiar are you with that? Not familiar at all. I know what it is. (laughs) Yeah, you know of it. Well, it started, this is a crazy thing. It's kind of like (laughs) the invention of corn, where like somebody somewhere, whose name I can't remember, found this thing and then went, huh, I'll try this. You know, like some... Somebody in South America was walking around and saw like a piece of corn and was like, ooh, what's this thing? Because corn is like not even a plant that should survive. It's really hard to grow. Right. And somebody found it and thought, this looks like something I should eat, and then kept making it. <laughs> so like printmaking is on, um, it's a particular type of stone whose name I'm forgetting right now, but it was used to make streets. Limestone? I think it's a type of limestone. Lithostone? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a lithostone. And it reacts with chemicals, particular chemicals like oil and water. You're basically just using oil and water, and it's the resistance between the two to print. And somebody noticed that, uh, the guy that invented lithography, on the street and thought like, hmm, I wonder if I could... Because ink sticks to oil. So then you stick the ink to oil, and then it transfers onto a piece of paper. And that's basically how it works. So you etch the stone... And here's the crazy thing about etching a lithography stone. Previous designs on it can sometimes resurface. Like a day later, like a hundred years later. Because they're just there. Like it has a life because it's an organic substance. Wow. Printmakers are very much old souls. You know, which is a similar thing to what I was talking about with my dad. Of like, what is the history of this thing? I want to save it. I don't want a new thing. I don't want like the easy thing. I don't want to throw this away and start over again. Can I fix this thing? Because I owe it to myself and that thing to keep it going. But then also, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's in a way like the relationship we have to the planet. Totally. It's here. We're doing with it whatever it is that we're doing with it, but it it's already had things done with it to it. So it's like we're participating in this continuous life which is the earth so in that sense you are you're you are forcibly joining history (laughs) we're just kind of like um well because i don't know where it is that we we became obsessed with everything's got to be new and modern like it's like i don't want anyone else to have ever touched or even fucking looked at this thing I'm the first. I'm the only one. But you're just like I would like, say the fifties, maybe. Yeah. You know, to go back to our Mad 50s, Men 50s, conversation, 60s, definitely. That you know, people when advertising was born. Yeah. Whenever advertising came into like, hey, you need the newest thing. Have you ever seen uh, or ever heard of uh, Century of the Self? 
Uh, I don't think so, no. A, a very close friend of mine exposed me to this. It's very fascinating. It's a, it's a four-part documentary series. Each were an hour long. It was on the BBC. And um, somebody put it up on YouTube, just like all, all of it. The first piece is about a guy named Edward Bernays, who, yes. was, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Yes. The father of, of American advertising and responsible for the idea of turning us into basically a, a desires-based economy as opposed to a needs-based. So it's just kind of like that's the idea that he connected that to Freudian psychology of it reflects who you are. The things that you get, you don't, they're not just things. They're you. They're all signifiers of the personality that you have created, concocted. So you're just kind of like, your personality is to participate in the ongoing experiment of these boots. Exactly. <laughs> or this, this lithograph. Yeah. I'm going to change it a little bit. It's like the Bible in a, in a sure. sort of a way. Wow, that's really fucking fascinating yeah. we're breaking <laughs> open some big stuff we're breaking we're breaking open some bad stuff <laughs> uh we're breaking bad we're breaking bad so what about your mother what are the qualities that you see of her as a as an individual as an uh, the way that she's participated in being an isolated person sure that you think manifests in yourself as well well i will definitely put myself out there for other people so much so that I do not know where I am. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing where you're okay. just like, oh, wait, now where's my... Okay, <laughs> I just... You know, like when you are like, yeah, I'll do whatever you need. Whatever you need, whenever you need it. And then I, you know, mad because where's the time for me? Kind of a thing. Do you get resentful? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I'm my doing own so much damn for everything fault. else and why isn't <laughs> yeah, anyone doing anything for me? Pinata, yeah. yeah, I you do know, the same so, yeah. thing sometimes. It's yeah. stupid. It's It's so dumb, but I will get into it immediately and i feel like the internet i'm having a hard time with the internet these days because of that because i have that personality trait what do you mean and i just get so influenced by the internet which is a whole nother existence you're a sensitive motherfucker forever yeah i am like <laughs> holy shit but uh it's like everybody has the, it's a second life you know like the virtual reality is the internet and right. we're living on it that's not a reflection of our life. Thing, it is it? a whole nother life. Right. Because like, you know, as a, as somebody who does stand up comedy, you are mostly just putting out the stuff that you're doing. You're not putting out the stuff that you're not doing. So, you know, you're only seeing like all this stuff that people are getting or doing or having or wanting to do, you know, whatever. So like, you're just only seeing that. And then you're not seeing a whole person. You're not seeing them going to the grocery store or like stubbing their toe or something. Not that right. you need to live for somebody else, but like, I also am not putting out any, it's not real. You know, none of it is real. Hmm. So then once, sometimes my head gets too plugged into the internet and then I'm living based off the internet and I'm talking about the internet, that's a big problem. <laughs> like I, I overheard these two guys, I went to get tacos last night at a place called uh, Diablo. Yeah. Uh, which they fabricate urban tacos there. What does that mean? I have no idea. Did they say they fabricate? That's what it says on the building. The lithograph of urban, tacos. Yeah, the lithography of tacos. Um, so I went there, and there were these two guys that were like yell talking at each other. Yeah, just talking way too loud, but didn't realize it. So you weren't trying to overhear. But no, you I didn't couldn't. want to know anything about what they were talking about, but I <laughs> couldn't not. So they were talking to each other about how they talk on their phones. So they were saying, like, accidentally hitting FaceTime and then what they do in that situation. Like, their conversation was about communication via phone. 
Okay. And so the rules I, of it. The, 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 how they do it, like what they the like. What they, oh, it. did you, you know, like I, and then I realized like, oh my God, I'm doing that with the internet. Hmm. I'm like conversating outside of the internet about the internet. How, give me an example. Uh, did you see what so-and-so said on Twitter about that? <laughs> it very clear and concise matter yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah like i mean that's great i love when somebody has a great take on something that i didn't think of and i'm like yeah that's good that's great well because but the other thing real thing but the other thing is that like so many people do look at the internet and are on the internet and are watching the internet and are so apt just primed that if you say anything similar to anything oh, anyone yeah. else has said they will not shut up about so and so already said that. <laughs> yeah, like you know what? Five minutes ago, you're that, a, you're a thief. Somebody said that a hundred years ago. <laughs> I got into an altercation with this. Okay, I was driving my car, and I realized that I hadn't tweeted for a little bit. Sure, because gotta I'll get, take gotta get it out there. I'll take full days, like sometimes a week. I'll just oh, be yeah. like, I'm not gonna. I, I just don't have feel yeah. like I have anything to say, especially if there's something going on like what happened with Trayvon Martin. Yes. That I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to fucking participate in this conversation. Yeah. I because... stayed off of it personally too because I felt like I couldn't eloquently say how I felt. Yeah. Because it had affected me in such a way that I was like, I just don't even know what to you're, say. You're kind so of... you know what? In that case, I'm not going to say anything. say anything. Exactly. I'm feeling <laughs> so many things. It. I'm feeling so many things. I'll people that are saying the thing I I'll, wish I could say. I'll retweet people. I'll read what they have to yeah. say and be like, okay, that's interesting. I'll talk about it in my life to people that I know, yes. that I care about, that I like, that I want to hear what their opinions are because that to me is more uh, immediate and more like this is going to hopefully change something. Yes. And it might bring you down to reality a little bit because I think that's also what I'm talking about where like you can get so amped off of the internet because right. it tends to be, I mean, it's your feed. You're picking who you're looking at. Right, right. And then you're getting, you know, amped by those people retweeting the idiots. Or you're getting amped because everybody's angry. Or if like, you say something, yeah. someone's going to tweet at you something ignorant. Exactly. I said one thing, which was I tweeted, uh, see, we're talking about the internet. Here you go. And I, this is what I tweeted. I said, uh, I hope people... Are, I hope people remember this Trayvon Martin travesty when Breaking Bad returns. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Something like that. I think that. I favorited it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> because I the, agreed with you. The idea of it is people are so upset about this on the internet. And are you really upset about it, or do you just want people to see that you're upset about it? And when Trayvon Martin becomes a hashtag, it has equal status with hashtag Breaking Bad. Yes. That it's like people are just going to be just as amped and upset and interested in Breaking Bad when that happens as they are in this thing. This is the fat. This is a fat. You guys are making this yeah, a fat. It's trending. Trayvon Martin, a human being who was killed, is trending. Now, now that's then that's the debate. Is it like, okay, well, it's trending. That's good. People are thinking about it. Or it's just kind of like, I guess my thing is, I feel it's disrespectful. Or cheapening what happened to just litter the internet with my thoughts about it. Right. What is it that I can do in my real fucking life about this thing as opposed to just being like, tweet, well, did my part. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. So, uh, Jesus, now I forget what the hell the point that we were talking about was. Just being in the internet. <laughs> yeah, living on the internet and having the internet be the life instead of like real. Oh, yeah, but I also got like somebody um, on my Facebook said something like, uh, what did you, something about OJ and, and then there, something about like, uh, be quiet and stop the hate. I'm like, I didn't say anything hateful. But that's the thing. Wait, they we're, said that you were being hateful about OJ. 
or they, because I had tweeted because, because what I said what I had said they brought up OJ. Oh, of course, they brought up they, which was twenty years ago. They made some assumptions to how I must feel about this because I'm black and I said something. Sure, of course. So I didn't engage. I was just like, I don't be quiet and stop the hate. You don't even know what the like. What does that even mean? Right, and of course, I had like a little bit of a reaction. I'm like, if I write something, it's not going to stop, and totally. that, and that's that's not the point. I'm not going to just yell at people. That's what, we got <laughs> yeah. two. Then you're trolling yourself. We got two know? fucking distracted with yelling at everybody else on the internet to actually talk about or think about the actual issue here. Yep. It's like, what is the issue now? Is it what happened or how everyone's reacting to what happened? And that's what right. I. That's what my tweet was. It's like. I'm tweeting about the reactions to this thing, right? Okay, this, this is what I remember where I was going to say. Where if you say anything that's remotely similar to anything on the like, – Oh, to yes. Anybody, yeah. Because like, now yeah. when you are a – if you're a politically-minded person and you have something to say about it, you are, you are racing Twitter. You're racing uh, every late-night monologue. And you're racing uh, Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to beat these people. We're not going to win when it comes to like reacting to an issue or something that's or Bill Maher. We're not going to like that's what I like about Bill Maher is that he can because he's on HBO especially can have like real conversations with interesting fucking people where it's just not comics where it's just like, okay, these are politicos and some comics and these people on different sides of the coin. That's what I like about that that shows that the debates that happen now. But the thing is that it's really easy to get stuck in engaging and yelling at people on the internet. And I don't think that it really solves anything or doesn't do anything because we're just so much communication is through tone and on text on, it's very easy to project your own emotionality on what someone's saying, be quiet and stop the hate. That person has been probably yelling at and yelling with so many people that when they saw something that's remotely resembled it, they thought that's the same. This person is doing totally. the same thing. But I, I – okay, so this is the point of the story. It was that I was uh, driving. I hadn't tweeted for like three days. I'm like, I shouldn't write some fucking – at a stoplight, I was Good. behind a Toyota – oh, yes. I was at a stoplight. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to write you a ticket. No, I was at a stoplight, and there was a Toyota Highlander in front of me, right? So when I – I don't know if I did it at the stoplight or when I had reached my destination – I wrote a dumb fucking joke, which was um, I was uh, saw a Toyota Highlander when I was driving. I ran it off the road and said there can be only one, <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah. But then I posted that based on like people were like, ah, oh, fifteen retweets or I was like, oh, that's a stupid, but that's a stupid joke that got, I knew it's a cute joke. So I put posted on Facebook, and then uh, somebody. The first comment was, uh, well, that sounds familiar, and then they tagged another person. <laughs> this other person yeah. that they tagged had written the exact same joke 12 hours earlier in Atlanta. <laughs> well, you definitely stole it. And that's what he thought. Yeah. That guy was like, this guy fucking stole my joke. Or maybe he didn't steal it. His is worse. Like, he just started shit-talking. And I'm like, what is the point of this? I, yeah. This is literally the dumbest fucking joke that I wrote because I'm fucking I'm making the, a play the car on a is reference. named after a movie. Just like, are we really gonna get this angry I mean, and upset about the dumbest fucking joke I have ever written? And like, people wouldn't even know about joke stealing if it wasn't for podcasts. You know, like people wouldn't even 
People wouldn't even care as well, much. And here's I, the thing. This guy was I wrote in, a joke yeah. about the heat. I wrote a joke that, well, you know, when people like write on Twitter a song and you put the little slash marks to, I yeah. wrote to the tune of, I want to dance with somebody. I wrote, I want to see the heat with somebody. Ooh, I want to see the heat with somebody with Melissa McCarthy, like that on Twitter. And it, like a bunch of people liked it, retweeted it, like, Jesse Thorne retweeted it. I was like, well, he knows what's up. So then, like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, a, I think a couple weeks later, Mindy Kaling wrote the same joke, but without the, with Melissa McCarthy. She said, ooh, I want to see, I want to dance with somebody. I want to see the heat with somebody. Right. Same joke. Right. Real specific. She didn't steal it from me. It's just a fucking cute thing. I wrote it three thing. weeks before. It just, we just are on the same wavelength. Right. We both like Whitney Houston. We both we like both Whitney Houston. Like, you both want to see the heat. <laughs> we both want to see the heat. Is that so wrong? And we were like singing that song. We thought, oh, the heat. Want to feel the heat? Want to see the heat? There it is. You know, like it's not joke stealing. Shouldn't steal my joke. But oh, also one time I was at a, I was at a coffee shop. See, with this guy in Atlanta, I, oh, I yeah, engaged yeah, him, but I didn't. All I was like, I just can't be a dick. I'm not going to be a dick. I didn't steal this joke. It's a dumb joke that we both wrote. And he tried to be like, oh, it's really important. It just looks really bad for, you know, I was like, why? For who? For who? You're not at the same open mic. Do you have other jokes? <laughs> do you have other jokes? So do I. Yeah. This is something we thought of on the same day in completely different coasts with, in, a, in a strangely similar timeline. I was not aware of your joke. You weren't I aware of my how joke. how many more people have already written that joke. How many people Probably are like, are we going to waste this? I was like, who? I said something like, we could have both, we can both be writing 50 more jokes in the time frame that we're yeah. spending uh, upset about where, who wrote this joke first yeah. or if it was stolen. And it diffused itself. I got fucking lucky that it diffused itself. One other time, I was at a coffee shop and there was like a – I ran into Aaron Gibson. You know Aaron Gibson yes. at all? Yeah. And she had just eaten at a Vietnamese noodle place that I hadn't seen. And she pointed out, you know, it was like, fuh. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like – I just thought it was funny – because people, I like, I always think it's funny when people try to really correctly pronounce things in other languages. <laughs> Especially fa. Especially fa. <laughs> fa. So I, after she left, I wrote something like, oh, there's nothing cuter than white people trying to pronounce fa, you know? Yeah. And then I didn't know Kyle Kinane has a joke <laughs> yeah. in which he says that. And then I started getting hounded Jesus on Twitter. Christ. So I texted Kyle, hey, do you have a joke where you say this thing? He's like, yeah, I did it in my special or something. And I was like... Well, okay. Just want to let you know. Apparently, I tweeted the same thing, and there are people who are fucking upset about it. <laughs> and he was like, "That's fucking stupid." Yeah, who, and he and I didn't expect him. I just wanted to tell him, "Hey, I was unaware that you right. had this joke. I didn't steal your joke." That's all I wanted to say to him. I didn't think I wasn't telling him go on Twitter and defend me, but he did actually. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, everybody, fucking calm down. Baron didn't fucking steal a joke. Let's move on with our lives." I'm like, "Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for writing that." <laughs> but. Jesus, guys, it's the internet. Anyway, yeah. this makes us want to be isolated. This makes Absolutely. us want to not be on it the internet. It makes me want to get away from people <laughs> so hard. Do you, but do you want to get away and do you want to fly away? Yeah. 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 Okay. I do. Just wondering. All the time. Just wondering. <laughs> Have you seen his daughter recently? Is she hot? So hot. How old is she? Like 20. God damn it. <laughs> I'm upset. Because I forgot Lisa Bonet. There's Lisa Bonet DNA. Oh, there. that's right. It's Lisa Bonet. Oh, Lisa my Bonet. God. She's like the hottest, most girl on the face of the planet. I would stop you at girl. Okay, all right. One of the hottest girls on the I, planet. I, I qualified Have you race. seen High Fidelity? Weirdly, um, 
Yeah, I have seen High Fidelity. Yeah, you're talking about Lisa Bonet again. Right? Yeah, I'm talking about Lisa Bonet. What, yeah. she, what was she singing? Ooh, baby, I love your way. Yeah, in like a really dusty, in, like, like the dusky ridiculous, kind of like, like oversexualized, Ooh, baby, uh, stupid way. And I was like, like oh, what's happening? This is so good. I remember what's happening to me. That's what I remember thinking. Um, yeah, it's so it's treated so well in the movie too because he's like, is that Peter Frampton? I'm weird. I'm gonna <laughs> weirdly state that I, I think uh, mixed race people are the most attractive people. Super attractive, and I would argue that the reason why is because we, we will all be mixed race if we n- are not already. Because are we not already? We are. We are, but it's it's better for, apparently, it's better to spread the genes apart or something. So when people that are incredibly different looking yeah. make a child, then uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. And it's I remember okay. this weird I anecdote from like high school, learning mm-hmm. genetics and stuff, that like you and I have more DNA similarity than I do with like an Italian person. Because we're I'm not Italian at in all. In the, the same country? N- no, just because like there's I'm like African? a weird. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Everybody came from where I. I be could be from. completely yeah. wrong. So if you have some scientists that listen to your show, please I tell me how wrong I am. Sincerely doubt that. <laughs> um, uh, or like you and another black person have less DNA similarity than you and I have. Jesus. Weird, right? I'm scared now. <laughs> Let's move on from this. I think we're brother and sister. Not necessarily. Oh shit. <laughs> My system. S I S T A H, maybe. Of course, yeah. Um, so, I, I guess the thing is that, like, and I know for myself that, like, I, I, uh, I was just talking to, you know, Caitlin Gill at all. Of course, She's, yes. Just voted uh, San Francisco Best Comic. Yes, I believe. The, well, and that's what I said. She's like, well, East Bay. That's what she qualified well, it. Well, you know what? Whatever. Well, I was we Best were just Comic talking in about, my heart. Okay, fine. <laughs> but we were just talking about, like, you know, she has a plan to move to Los Angeles within a year. Cool. She's a San Francisco comedian Great. for those listening. And uh, she she said some stuff that is like, well, this is very similar to what my last year has been about, which is that I am I have and the listeners of my podcast would know I have been uh, really delving into. Oh, shit. I have certain depressive tendencies that. I basically was fighting them because it was like, I got to fix these things, but there is no such thing as fixing them. There's just managing them. Coping. Coping. Yeah. Finding ways. And in that in itself, you know, you can create a new habit that takes the place of an old habit. And in a sense, that fixes it because that habit isn't what is the most present. It isn't second nature anymore. Oh, yeah. You've replaced it with a more positive, better habit. But you're still just replacing it. You're replacing it. You're jamming something into a hole, whereas you need to, like, (laughs) respect the hole. You you need to love the hole. You need to love the hole. I think we can both agree that loving the hole is very important to life. Yeah, we were talking about smoking, and I've been a non-smoker for two years, which is, like, honestly, daily, a problem. It's hard to not be a smoker. A lot of people... You're a cool mofo. You probably look really cool when you're smoking. Oh, I look awesome when I smoke. (laughs) I look super cool. Because, like, I don't know if you've noticed, like, you can tell when somebody's a new smoker because they, like, hold the cigarette all weird. Mm -hmm. Like, they look like a Barbie that you, like, put a cigarette into their mouth and they're, like, trying to smoke... I never looked like that. You just look I like- started when I was 12. I watched Stand By Me constantly. <laughs> so I knew how to smoke a cigarette. You studied um, technique, cigarette yeah, smoking yeah. technique. River Phoenix, man. Um, so I smoked for 16 years. Like wow. pretty much regularly. I mean, I was never, I got up to probably a pack a day. But then down to about, you know, probably two or three cigarettes a day. And you and were then, riding a bike. Well, that's part of why I quit. Because oh. I, was, I became more physically active. In Chicago, and I was like, this is killing me. Yeah. And also, this is killing me. <laughs> you know, but, um, Metaphorically and literally. Yeah, and it's gross, and it's not actually cool. And But 
it's really hard to quit. It's mm-hmm. it, well, it it's for an me addiction. It's the hardest thing to quit. Yeah, it's people don't look at it that way because it's not as intense as alcohol or drugs, but it is a drug, and it's harder to quit. I think. Oh, I think it's more intense. Oh yeah, it because, absolutely is because it's. It, ostensibly it doesn't do as much damage and it's more socially acceptable and you can basically do it any time of the day. Yeah. So just kind of like... It's socially acceptable almost everywhere. Yeah, Well, and I used to say that about sugar. Like, if trying to quit oh, sugar... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you it's have fucking everywhere, it. but yeah. it's like, heroin's not readily available. Yeah. I can't just walk into the grocery store and buy 50 different versions of heroin yeah. inside of something else. But and with then cigarettes, in a drink and, like, in your food and then in your... It's like in everything. But in cigarettes, it's such an everyday activity it's just like you can see it and do it as much yeah. as you want you connect it to things that you do it's you know like you exactly. before you eat after you eat uh in the middle of your day 15 after, minute you know, break yeah, yeah before exactly. i go to bed before yeah so uh and my point was that a lot of people are you know i didn't replace smoking with bike riding i started riding my bike and i realized that i liked riding my bike as much as I liked smoking cigarettes mm. and smoking cigarettes was keeping me from being able to ride my bike and then I was hearing a lot. I was listening to a lot of podcasts because I had started an office job, and some people were on podcasts talking about quitting smoking, and they used the easy way method by yeah. um, I'm Alan Carr, who has since passed. Which I actually recommended this to a friend via Facebook. I was like, it's the only way that I've been able to quit. I've tried to quit numer. I've quit for like a year here and there. Always pick it back up again. This is the only thing that I've been able to consistently quit smoking right. from. So I sent it to him, and then like a half a half an hour back, he messaged me. He's like, "Oh well, he died from cancer, so who gives a shit? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read this." Well, you're an idiot because the guy quit smoking, and he got cancer from all the time that he smoked. So if you <laughs> don't quit, you're gonna get cancer. If you quit, you're gonna have a better life, and you might have cancer. You know, like it's just a crazy, weird mind fuck that cigarettes right, have. Right, right. But my point was that that book. I actually have been thinking about, I did the audiobook. I've been thinking about listening to it again. Number one, to re-up my stance on not smoking. And number two, because I actually think it's a pretty good uh, methodology for changing the way you think. Well, yes. I was, you know, I was about like, to go into this exact territory. Yeah, you get addicted to depression or feeling like you're depressed well, and ignoring it. they are chemicals. It. They're you chemicals. Know, like, I definitely get addicted to being like, oh, I'm better than this. Right. You know, it's it's back to the boots and the motorcycles. Like, I'm better than that. I don't have to do it. I can just, no, I don't have to talk about this. I'll just put it away. I do the same thing. Yeah. So. Well, and that's what Caitlin was saying. It's just kind of like uh, she used to get mad at herself and, and challenge herself to fix it. And then in the realizing that, well, it's not something you can fix. She accepted that these are facts about her. But because of that, she got lax on the activities that she was doing to manage them. She just accepted them as facts. And let them fucking roam free in, oh, her, yeah. in her brain. She's like, well, that's not that doesn't work either. Yeah, I can't just like sit and dwell in this fucking depression. I got to do shit. And you've seen? Have you seen what, what the bleep do we know? I have seen that. Yeah, I watched it with my mom who fell asleep five minutes into <laughs> it um, because someone uh, told her to watch it because there's a good section on addiction in it. Right now, it start. There's a lot of quantum physics. And shit in it. And that's the part where it's like it gets really theoretical and really philosophical. Super. And if you're not into that stuff, you might just be like, what the fuck are they talking about? What the bleep are they <laughs> talking the about? are they talking about? But that section, if you haven't seen the documentary, there's a lot. First of all, Marley Matlin is in it, who, sorry, she's sexy. I just think she's sexy. <laughs> why apologize? I don't know why. I think she's. I, I, Have you, you know seen what? her on the L Word? You should check it out. That, yeah. did it. 
It was the L word that did it. I I never really saw her as like. I just never really considered her. Then her on the L word, she was fucking so sexy. I'm yeah, like, she was. Ooh, she's pretty she was damn really owning hot it on that show. You know, owning it. Oh yeah. my god, she was hot. Anyway, that's who was it that dated her? Was it Bat? It was Bat. Yeah, it was Bat because Jennifer of the Beals. museum and the fucking. I mean, Beals, man. Also, Jen- Beals. Jennifer Beals. But then her partner, the woman who played her partner, who who was in Holloman? the yes, Laurel Holloman. Yeah, who was also in the uh, Absolutely True Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Great movie. Which I didn't even know that was her. Yeah, because right? she was so much younger, so much younger, and playing so much more butch. Which I Way wish that on the L word they would have like allowed her to do that. Yeah, but you know, because she played it so well, and I think that she is a pretty good actress. And I, we started uh, my my now fiance and I uh, started which, watching. Congratulations! It. Thank you so much. Started watching it when? Uh, we like a month or two ago, and then we had to stop because it was like, oh, you gotta watch so it. So a product of its time. It's kind of crazy how much we will get so far afield if I go to Angela Robinson, who is now a producer on True Blood. Yeah, and I saw her at the grocery store the other night and lost my goddamn mind. I saw Angela Robinson. I know. I I am such an... Are Albertsons? Yes. She lives in our neighborhood? Yeah, she's got to. I mean, she was in a car, but... She was shopping at Albertsons. There's plenty of Albertsons to pick from. I know. It was that one. Um, Well, here's the thing. She's around. Have you seen Deb's? Yes, of course oh, I saw okay. Debs. My Just friend, checking? my friend was almost in Debs, really? and I read it because I was visiting my friend in L.A. when I was in New York, and she was on a TV show at the time called Good Morning Miami. Right? Oh yeah, I remember that show. And I came to visit her, and I was in her dressing room at Good Morning Miami, and Debs was sitting there, and I read it, just kind of because I was, was there. Was it the graphic novel or the no? Script? It was the script. Oh, okay. The script had been written, and she was going to audition for it for the part for the lead. Oh, yeah. The lead. Mm-hmm. Because who was it? Jordana Brewster played uh, Lucy in the Sky, the yeah. bad guy. So yeah. Jordana was already cast in it. And and uh, my friend was just like, I remember as I read Debs, I'm like, this is really fascinating. And I was talking to her about it. And she was like, yeah, I'm interested in it. She's like, did I ever tell you about the time that I made out with Jordana Brewster at a party? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I listen. I'm yep. listening. All ears. Um, but, yeah, that's just a fascinating, weird movie. But they yeah. all were... I watched it a lot. I started it because I don't know. I was fascinated by the subject matter. Plus, it was like there was nothing like it except for like, like queer as folk. Yeah, there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, interesting. This is going to be an interesting show. First season I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Second season is where it kind of starts to get it's okay. crazy. Second season is weird. Then you know who I watched it with a bit uh, was Claudia Kogan because we were both oh, still yeah. in, in New York. And there was a point where we watched it, and we were just like, "This is so dumb!" Like there, yeah. there was a point where we were just like, Season "I want this to be really good." Bad. I want this to be good again, and yeah. then it just became fun at how weird it, and how campy it became. The first—that's the thing—we were watching the first season, and it. Is such a product of its time. But the third season, I think, is also because of the voices of the people that watched the show, was where they started to represent more kinds of gay women. Yeah. It wasn't just this particular but group. But also super poorly. <laughs> poorly, but there were more images of it. Of, but also, here's the other thing. It takes place in Los Angeles. Sure. Well, yes, that too. And as Claudia Cogan used to have a joke where she's like, I- I've been going to L.A. a lot lately because I want to see more of the no lesbians. He's like, do you guys know lesbians are? Or is it kind of like, Portia de Rossi is a lesbian? No. <laughs> That's what it's like. No, people don't get. Yeah. So it's like, but the L word is like, we're talking about high-powered lipstick lesbians yeah. in the most vain city in the United States. In the craziest city. In the, yeah, totally. Okay? So it's like, that's what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, why were we talking about the L word? I don't even remember. Because we were talking about what the bleep do we know, Marley Matlin, Laurel Holloman. I mean, hey, 
we're good at tangents. Yeah, good at tangents. Um, Let me just say this: what? I did like watching that show because of the uh, producers that were involved and writers mm-hmm. on the yeah. first and second season. Gwenevere Turner, who was in the show, mm. who was a former flame of Alice in I real believe life? the first season. Well, they probably dated because. Well, she's one of the few real people like. She's that. the only one that's out. Um, Laurel well, Holloman is out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Laurel Holloman is an out bisexual woman. She's married with a child. Doesn't mean she's not bisexual anymore. She's just married. And then who? Who? Shane. She's not out. She's not out. She's playing a lesbian in Ray Donovan on. Uh, oh, she's in Ray Donovan. Yeah. I, I need to watch that. She's like his assistant. She's a Paltrow. Yeah, she is. She is cousins. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who's it? Rose uh, Rose Rollins. Rose Trochet. Rose Rollins. Is it Rose Rollins? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the uh, black. Uh, oh wait, were you there? The military woman that Alice. Yeah. Okay. She. Uh, she's great. She's awesome and very attractive as yeah, well. She's awesome. Um, anyway, we've gotten far afield. We can get back now. I just wanted to mention Gwenevere Turner because she's a great writer. Okay, a friend of mine wrote. A, there was like something where there was like a wedding party and there was this gay women rap group. Oh, yeah, Goddess and She? Is that what you're talking about? A friend of mine wrote, did their beats. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I think they broke up. They probably did. Unfortunately. But a guy in New York I know is named Sose, the Elemental Wizard. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Sose. (laughs) Um, Sose, we all. Um, So what the bleep do we know? What the bleep do we know? There's this incredible fucking section. If you haven't seen the documentary, uh, in the middle of it, and if you have, you know what I'm talking about, the wedding montage, where they basically say... Pretty, every emotion that we have is a chemical, and thus we can be addicted to those chemicals. So sometimes like, – so any person is like, oh, everyone's always making fun of me. That's an example of an addiction. Mm-hmm. People who are bossy, they're addicted to those chemicals. And we can, you know, and that's kind of like I guess the theory behind cognitive therapy, change the way that we – when we change the way that we think about things, we're getting rid of a chemical addiction. That was the section my mom needed to see while she was snoring and that's next when to she me. Fell asleep, yeah. She was snoring loudly next to me, and I was like, "This is fucking fascinating." Yeah. So I constantly have to recognize, or I always think about, what are the chemicals that I'm addicted to? The emotional reactions that I uh, have become, and I and I here's here's one of my addictions. <sighs> that's one of my addictions. <laughs> that's definitely one of my addictions. Yeah. Um, and people who listen to this podcast know, like, in my introductions, I'll, I'll do that. I'll make that sound a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's just basically like a, it's defeat. Yeah. It's you an, just I, I, strap I a belt I can, around I your arm and ugh. I give up. I can, there's nothing I can do about it. That's my addiction. That's my fail safe where I decide there is nothing to be done. I just have to accept that this is where I'm going to be. There, there's no fixing it. There's nothing to be done. So you're like the anti-Batman. And I, uh, yes. And I sit in that feeling. And proceed to do nothing about it. And that's, that's one of my addictions. That's my most sinister addiction because it feels like nothing. It feels like neutral. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's not yes. an extreme. You no! feel like you're. And it's not an extreme. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is. It just is. It's almost like here's the thing that I was thinking about, too, to relate to what you're saying. Like when I get depressed, um, say because I can't find work or something like that. Right. I will not do anything. Because I don't want to spend any money. But I will also not walk around, which is free and doesn't cost anything. But I shouldn't give myself that because I need to figure out how I'm to not, you make know, it's money. like, yeah, exactly. That's a reward and that's for, yeah. Like the isolation and depression when I was in Oregon that I was talking about before, I just watched 
television. I just watched images because I refused to like exercise and make myself feel better because that was like a temp- it was like a nicotine patch to be like, well, I'll just I'll just do nothing. I'll not go above it and I'll not go beneath it. I'll just you think you're being neutral, but you're really <laughs> falling into the depths. Right. Kind of like what you're saying where right. like the Ugh, it's, 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 a it's not neutral. It's deceptive. But you feel like it is. Exactly. You feel like you're just going fine. But saying fine is not neutral. No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely. It's, it's inactive. Oh, yeah. You're choosing to not act. Right. And that is in itself a choice. Yeah. You're cho- choosing not choice. to choose choice is a choice. Is the thing. God damn it. And also realizing that you have choice in that. Because I think that uh, I, from my family, that's the thing with my family is not feeling like nothing is a choice. That everything is like foisted upon you. Which is yeah. why I think I really enjoy the movies Back to the Futures. Oh snap! The movies Back to the Future so because much. it shows what choices time what travel choices, allows for you to fix things that you felt like you couldn't fix to make a different choice. Yes, but mm. also you know I didn't realize that things are a choice. You know, not until I was more of an adult and watching the third one at the end when Doc is like, "Your future isn't written yet. It's up to you. There's no, there's no such thing as fate." You know, and I like- just I've believed so much in fate for my most of my life. Mm. And when you believe in fate and when you believe in something being laid out and there only being one choice. It's an inevitability that you have no control over. Exactly. And thus you see it as like, this is just the lot I've. Exactly. This is just the the, the hand I've been dealt. Right. And like, no, things just happen. It's not your fault that like a paint can fell on your car and you're you're not like born under a bad sign, even though I like to pretend that I am because I was born on August 12th, a Thursday. Almost born on Friday the 13th. Almost have the same birthday as Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> it's not up to me. What the bleep are you talking about? <laughs> I was born under a half bad sign. Half bad sign? Thursday, August the 12th. Well, it sounds like you're having a renaissance. <laughs> yeah, I am in a renaissance. And you know what? It's interesting, too, because I, I made a lot of promises to myself that I haven't kept. Yes. One being I was going to start a book club with two people that I know I should email them. Uh, it's just like, again, with these things that I think are going to actually improve my life where I'm just like, if I just do this and this and this, getting into a routine and finding a routine, I was so sensitive about it a couple months ago where I was like falling into what I knew was going to be a hard time. I was like, if I just put some things in place to keep me above water, I will just feel better. I'll feel better. I'll feel more positive. Thus, I will be more likely to act and to make good choices and to feel good about these choices and to see the good in the things in my life. Th- that's what I was figuring. This is, this is the future I was going to make for myself. Sure. But then I just waited a little too long <laughs> and then I went <sighs> and I went the other direction. Yeah, yeah. And where I'm putting myself up against this wall just like, no, I, where I feel like I've in the last couple of months, half year basically, have been chasing anything to get money into my pocket tomorrow. I do not have enough money for everyone that I owe money to. I have, I owe five times as much money as I have. It seems like in every moment, I feel like in every week I'm finding out I owe $3,000 to someone new. And like, what? what? <laughs> and it feels like um, I started to go like, okay, I'll do those things when I feel that I'm in a better place. Right. But this is no time to reward myself. I need to figure this shit out. I can't do, think about, pursue anything 
fun, good, or pleasurable until I know where I stand with this financial and employment bullshit. Until I feel like I, ooh, I'm holding on to something and I know that that's going to take me to this amount of time. Then I can start. And I'll tell you this. As of last week, it feels like I'm, a, I'm on an upward trajectory Well, right that's now. great. So it's like I'm starting to have some employment come through. There's some money that's going to come in that is going to hit me to this place and to this place. And it's like things are starting to even out. But I've been feeling – and that's the thing. I said to my friend the other day, uh, I'm doomed because I have a bad outlook. Which she thought was (laughs) the most hilarious statement. Sure. She's like, it's a snake eating its own tail. Yeah, you're a little Ouroboros there. If I had a better outlook, I wouldn't be doomed. But the thing I'm saying I'm doomed because I have a bad outlook, that is the bad outlook that you have. Yeah. You top-loaded it. (laughs) And I didn't even see the irony or the hilariousness in it because I was sitting here by myself like, this is not going to work out for me. That's all I was thinking. You know, I think a lot about, this is going to be so silly. Uh Uh-oh, what do you think a lot about? I think, I do the same thing. Let me start off by saying that. I like burned myself out to try to be calm about something. And like, that's not going to help anything. Like, I don't know if that's going to be fixed tomorrow. I don't know if me not doing anything is going to help in doing anything. But uh, I have found that sometimes I live my life as though I'm playing Excite Bike and I am on that motorcycle. Did you ever play that video game? Yeah. When you were a, kid? a Nintendo game, right? Yeah. Came with the system if you bought the, you know, power pad and all that stuff. Um, and if you do the overdrive for too long, the motorcycle burns out and you have to like walk over to the side of the thing and then you have to sit there and you wait and then all the other bikes are going past you. And that's exactly what I'm doing is like, if you just drive the thing, if you just drive it the way it's supposed to be driven, the way you feel comfortable driving it, you will make it to the race. You'll make it through the race and you won't have to pull over. You won't have to fall down deep and let the mo- motorcycle cool You can off. say slow and steady wins the race. It, you could say that. Right. But I think about that little excite bike guy all the time. Like, I don't want to have to waddle away from the things that I'm doing just because I You can't... got ahead, but then you had to stop. Yeah, exactly. So you got to learn, you gotta learn when gonna... to use it and when not to. You yeah. have no one to show them, no when to fold them. Exactly. You got to, I almost said Kenny Loggins, and I would be really mad at myself. Very different. <laughs> it's not, that's the danger zone. So I am trying to realize that there's not really... There's only tiny little plateaus because when you get to the next thing, there's just more things to do. You know, when you get to the comfortable place, then there's a new comfortable place to get to. Exactly. Exactly. Whew. It's a long con. Good talk. This is good talk. <laughs> this is good talk. I need to. This is the talk I need to have right now. Good. Um, in closing. Yes. Um, you, a friend of mine who is a fan of yours. Ooh, yes. Had said Love something that. about, I guess she had noticed a tweet in which you had said something about you had an interesting experience when you went home. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume this is like the holidays or what was it? It was Memorial Day. Memorial so Day. Like a, a month and a half ago, somewhere around there. Is it something you can talk about? Uh, I'm trying to remember the specifics. It's just every time I go home now, because all of my family is in Ohio. Um, and as I said before, my family is... I'm sorry, all of your family's in Ohio? Yeah. So you see everybody. I see everybody. And it's still, I'm like still carrying out the visitation, you know? And now it's just, I'm visiting with everybody. Right. And I have these two separated parents who live by themselves. And then I have, I also grew up in my maternal grandparents' house. Mm. I lived, they did not live with us. I lived with them. So there's also that. And then my father lived with his dad. Uh, when I was a kid also. So both sides, I have a, 
I'm learning closer relationship with my grandparents than most people. I wouldn't say that nobody has it, but it, I, I think it's slightly atypical. Not everybody talks to their grandparent every week as right. I do. So, um, you know, I have to, and they're getting much older and they're all very spread out. So it's like a lot of driving. No one hangs out together. Mm. I've never, I have never in my life gone to a family Christmas where all of my like nuclear family is there. I have also not had lunch with both my parents as an adult. Wow. You know, like I've never had a meal with my parents. The last time they were in a room together was when I had my appendix taken out. Are they okay with each other? I don't think so. I have no idea. They will tell me that they are, that they're fine. But you feel resentment. But if you were fine with somebody else, wouldn't you be okay with seeing them? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know like I, I, I don't have a kid. I am at this point only a child of someone else's. Right. But I would think that if I had a child and then divorced the partner that I was with, that child, the child with, I, yeah. I feel like I would want to have a relationship with that person. Not for the kid, but also for myself, because that would be my family. Right. You know, that would always and forever be my family, even if I'm not living with those pe- with those two people. Well, I know a lot of whatever, people, a yeah. lot of divorce uh, people who are children of with divorced parents, who their parents do a- end up having a good relationship oh, with yeah. each other after the divorce. Right. Like they're like, we didn't work together, but now we're friends, yeah. and you know, we still like you. We talk to each other. Yeah. It's, but you're it's, saying that your parents aren't doing that. No, they don't talk. I don't think they even have each other's phone numbers. <laughs> oh. And I mean, they live. You know, it's it's Ohio, so there's not public transit, and people don't really. It's kind of like L.A. Like people drive everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like five. They're five minutes away from each other in a car. I think I know why they don't talk to each other. <laughs> because it involves five minutes a away from each other <laughs> before you were born. Exactly. And let's just say the sheriff was involved. <laughs> not the deputy, though. Oh no, they didn't shoot the deputy. But yeah, it's just you know I, I have like such a I don't. To to make a long story short, it's just always weird to go home. So it's interesting because you're going home to connect, but you fe- end up feeling more also, disconnected. Yes, it everyone is just pieced, uh, piecemeal. Yeah, it's a piecemeal. I, there's no real connection. I can never, I never settle down enough because I, I'm with each like quadrant of family for like such a short. Because as a person, you can only visit with people for so long, you know. And I have these older family members that they want to just sit right that's like their visit is like sit with the tv on and i can only do that for like two hours because hmm. it's it's taxing to just be there so and then also you add the layer of being a gay kid with people because i i am only recently out with my dad's side of the family within the past couple of years because hmm. you know it's tough and they still don't know how to feel about it or yeah i mean they tell me everything's fine but it's not There's i mean if you, if, you utter the phrase, if you utter the phrase it's fine it's fine it's fine everything's fine Nothing is fine. Is that Ohio code for it's not fine? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's Ohio code for I don't know how I feel about this. So mm. I'm just going to tell you it's okay. Where I'd rather have you say, like, I just, I don't know how to feel, which would be a, a much more honest, you know. <sighs> wow. Yeah, but that's very, I mean, like. Sure. You live, these people are, are they outside of, uh, uh, what is it, is it Columbus? Akron. Akron. Are they outside of Akron or in Akron? I mean, they're in Akron. Nobody, it's one of those places that nobody lives downtown. And, you know, it's right. a sur- suburbanized area. I'm just thinking of you as a person that went to Chicago. Sure. That the, something about living in a major city, a big city, that it really changes the way that you just talk to people in oh, every day. Oh, absolutely. The, and, like, 
dealing with other human beings and in that level these are people that deal with other human beings on the news you know like that's where they get their interaction they're sitting with people in their that home don't look watching like them yeah and then they, they are like well i don't know what to think about that instead of just because they don't talk to anybody that looks different or acts differently than them mm. so i understand that it's a it's a hard process but it's just weird to you know because you're out here and you're around comics or you're around just people that are in a city mm-hmm. everybody talks about stuff I mean, they may they may not be the most honest people because they're just humans and they're trying. But like you said, being in a, a major city, you're just confronted with more. You're just involved with more. You're just around more to where like that stuff just doesn't even matter anymore. Right. You know, it's it's all like. Oh, I was going to get into a big subject there and we're trying to close up, so I won't. But it's um, all like what? Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I think that's actually like going back to the Internet and just culture in general, why it's kind of hard to talk about maybe I, I can only speak from my own experience, but the Trayvon Martin case, like people being like, calm down, calm down. You know, like it's not, it's not anything to calm down about. And like gay rights is not anything to calm down about because you are just seeing it on the internet and you're, you have a couple of gay friends and everything's okay between you and them. doesn't mean that everything's okay with everybody. Well, it, it's it, in a way that's, it's ignorant. Totally. You, I, sure. I know gay people. Does that mean, that doesn't mean much. No, I know the gay people. I know that they don't represent all gay people. <laughs> right, like they know I'm the black person that people know. Sure. I'm, I don't represent every fucking black person. Yeah, talk to another black person. I'm, we're yeah. not going to have the same fucking opinions. We're completely different people. Yeah, because you're all different people. We're all different people. When with I different say you're, I mean any type of person. You are all. We <laughs> yeah. are we. all different people. But that's the thing. Oh, I love that argument. Just like I can't be racist. I know black people. I yeah. can't be homophobic. My you know sister's gay. It's just like that's a man. Yeah. That's, that doesn't mean that you're not or that you that you at least entertain that you might be ignorant about some shit. Also, maybe have that be the discussion. And that's the di- Am I ignorant about this? Like, as a white person, that's why I di- decided not to throw my two cents in. Right. Because I thought, you know what? I might not know what I'm talking about. And that is, I'm a gay person, so I have that experience. I'm also white. That's the life that I have lived. Right. And I know that no matter how much money I give to this thing or how much of this I do and how mm-hmm. this I am, mm-hmm. I am still white and I'm still walking around as a white person. And so I do not know. And like really white too. What's super white. This is tan. <laughs> I'm tan. But I just, that's still my experience. And so I don't speak from a place that goes, oh, I have 10 black friends. Yeah. And I went to school with black kids and I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. So I'm not racist. I don't. I'm not racist and I can live in that or, I, you know, I try to live a non-racist life. Right. I should say that because every human being is racist because we're humans. Well, we but, invented it. So. But it's like kind of like you like you said with your family saying it's fine when it's just like I would rather hear you say I don't know. How, be honest. Yeah. I'd rather hear you say I don't know. And I think that the admitting there's shit that we don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm ignorant about shit. I'm willing to admit that I'm ignorant about certain things mm-hmm. because I want to not be ignorant about them. Yeah. I want to learn more about it from a person that has their opinions that guess what? Even if they represent a group that I'm ignorant about, they don't represent the group. Exactly. You know, like they, they define the group, but the, you know, the group, but the group doesn't define them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I define blackness or blackness doesn't define me or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like, I would rather people say I am ignorant about this. I am uninformed. I do want to learn. But instead, people get defensive. <laughs> yes. And going like, no, I, there's no way I'm racist. 
I'm not racist. I'm not sexist. I'm not homophobic. I'm not, you know, uh, anti, you know, anti-abortion or what, or you know, pro-abortion or whatever. Or so it's just kind of like they they get on this very defensive side, and it becomes an ego thing. Yes. And the outrage and the how dare you mm-hmm. precludes any discussion about the actual issues. Just yeah. that, like talk you can't about the talk issue and me. how you actually feel, how it makes you feel. Like if you're a man and you're talking about abortion, talk about how it makes you feel as a man, like as a man who maybe wants to have kids or a man who is afraid that uh, maybe someone, a woman had an abortion. You know, like talk about what your experience of that thing is, not what you think somebody else's experience of it is or exactly. should be. Exactly. Because that's what is so frustrating because, to me about the internet and about, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, people about just want to take their, they just, yeah, it's just easy to become a creature of outrage and not listen. Absolutely. And then just Everybody get, is a knee jerk. It's right just now. like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that. You're a fucking asshole. Yeah. Sign off. I said the other day that some people, people these days tend to be conflating the idea of identity and labeling and oh, they're yeah. not the same thing one is an external 15 year olds watch out <laughs> i just labeled them hey <laughs> yeah i mean that is that's a label but like being proud of being gay is not a label that's me that's my identity you know mm-hmm. me calling myself a lesbian is not a label i'm not putting myself in a camp i'm identifying myself as who i am and who i am proud of being or a woman, <laughs> you know, like whatever I'm proud of being of me as a person. But then a person who has in- incredibly similar experiences to you might not do that. Exactly. And not feel that way about it at all. Yeah. Well, what, why do they feel that way? Maybe I should talk to that yeah, person. Yeah, I should talk to that person. And I, as a non-lesbian, should probably not call her a les in conversation or a dyke in conversation, like funnily. You know, like it's just not, I don't know. Well, you know, it's... it's um. I think it's okay sometimes to just, you know, you can make an assumption. Of course, you can't presume. Sure. But then also, I guess that sometimes I – not that I've done that because I don't think – I try not to label people Mm -hmm. because when I don't know where someone stands or their comfort level, I don't want to assume like a level of comfort with them before I really know how they feel about certain things or, you know. So sometimes I'll test those waters, but a lot of times I try to ask about it. Or I just never bring it up. I'm just like, well, you oh, know, yeah. I don't know if they're comfortable with that, so I'm not gonna, just not going to fucking say that. It's really easy for me <laughs> not to yeah, you just bring leave it that out. up. <laughs> you just yeah. leave it out. It's like, it's like, I don't know how they feel. And if it ever comes up, then I will know. Yep. Or if I get to know them well enough, I can ask about that yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, and the the gay thing, if you will, it's one of those things that, like, people as a culture were still um, testing the waters with each other because not everybody's cool with it not everybody is comfortable so as a gay person you as a lesbian as a gay person as a trans person as a queer person you especially coming from the midwest are taught that you are weird and wrong for Mm -hmm. who you are being and you should not talk about it Mm -hmm. and you should just be over there you know like i hear quite often i'm fine with gay people as long as they don't hit on me well come on (laughs) you know like it's just anyway but also you think that you don't want them to hit on you. Right. But what if one day one maybe one day hit one hit on you and you're like, I think I actually uh I'm better with this than I thought I would yeah. be. Yeah. Now that I've gotten hit on. Oh, it's not crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel oh, I just thought it was gonna be weird and it's not. My friend, do you know Mark Norman at all? I don't I think he has a great joke that I like, uh, you know, and it's from a straight guy perspective. He was just talking because he has gay friends and he'll mm-hmm. go to a gay bar and like hang out with his gay friends. And he was saying this to another friend of his. And he's like, you go to gay bars? Like, 
I, if, if a guy hit on me, I don't know what I would do. And his answer is like, well, you could just not fuck him. <laughs> yeah. You, you can. You don't have to like yeah. do anything. You'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not gay. That's enough. That's that's kind yeah, of enough. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm I'm with my friends, but I'm not. Thank you. Thanks. Hey. Compliment. <laughs> I like the compliment. I went, 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 went. I don't know. I did that. Uh, anyway, I think we should. Uh, yeah. Sorry for bringing up the deep shit at the end there. No, but, you know. that's the whole point, yo. Cool. That's the whole point, yo. Yeah. Anyway, isolation. We're we're dealing with it. I think that the the irony uh, sometimes to introverts like ourselves. I'm mm-hmm. gonna label you an introvert. Thank, I'm identifying Dude, as one these it days. It took me. When so- someone, a friend of mine sent me an article saying, I think this is you, and I read it, and it was like, introverts. I'm like, I'm not an introvert. Yeah. Because I'm a comedian. I know. And because I'm so loud and boisterous and when I'm want, out. But you only want the attention on your terms. But everyone you know? has always told me, you're so extroverted. So I'm like, oh, I guess I am then. I've never, I've never called myself that, but since so many people have told me I yeah. am, I must be. You just assume, yeah. And when I was antisocial, I wanted to kind of stay in. I would be, just beat myself up about it. Like, no, I'm supposed to fucking go out and do all oh, this yeah. stuff. I'm supposed to have fun. Then someone sent me this article about introversion. I'm like, holy shit, I am an introvert. And I've given myself the permission. But I think sometimes the irony is a lot of the answers to a lot of my problems are just uh, being with people. Yeah. As much as I don't want to be around people sometimes, I need to go be around some people. And it's actually being with those people. Because I've found that my problem that I'm realizing that leads to me being an introvert is that I'm out with everybody, but I am having like a swirling Sharknado uh, in my head of my own conversation, and I'm not even hitting my table because swirling Sharknado in my head is my new favorite (laughs) fucking phrase. There you go. All right, well, guys, Sharknados swirling in your head. Let's put those Sharknados to Sharknado bed. And that was a thing you just listened to. Uh, yeah, check out the All Things Comedy Network, guys. All the different podcasts up there. Uh, you know, uh, Jake This with Jake Johansson, who just did my show, Big Money. Uh, yeah, if you're in Los Angeles, I am uh, doing a weekly show every Thursday night at the Virgil called Big Money. It uh, was once D.C. Pearson and Eliza Skinner's show, and it still kind of is. But right now, me and my friend Brian Cook are running it. And uh, we would love you guys to come out every Thursday. Uh, so Jake Johansson just did the show, and uh, he is a fucking genius. Pretty pretty amazing. Uh, Eddie Pepitone's about to do it. Uh, Maria Bamford, people of that ilk. That's what we're getting on these shows, guys. Um, and then a lot of other young comics that I love, uh, like Aria Butcher, like uh, Chuck Watkins, and all these other people I've had on my podcast uh, are performing on my show as well. Uh, a lot of comics that I love. So here are the dates that I got coming up. Tonight, the 19th to the 21st, I'll be at the Comedy Nest in Montreal. September 27th and 28th, I'm at the Punchline Comedy Club in San Francisco. Uh, October 3rd and 4th, I'm at the Cabo Comedy Festival in Cabo San Lucas. October 5th, that is my appearance at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. October 10th, I'm doing a show at the New York Comic Con uh, as part of the Comedy Mutant Tour. It will be me, Mike Drucker, Mike Kaplan, Janine Garofalo, and Brian Posehn. October 18th and 19th, Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. Uh, October 22nd, I'll be in Columbia, South Carolina at a place called Conundrum. 
October 23rd, I'll be in Greenville, South Carolina at a place called Habiba, the stand-up lounge at Habiba. Um, October 24th to 26th, I'll be at the Atlanta Improv. October 27th, I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee at a place called Mikey's. Um, October 28th, Huntsville, Alabama, the Straight to Ale Brewery. October 29th, Asheville, North Carolina, the Lexington Ave Brewery, also known as The Lab. October 30th, Knoxville, Tennessee, the Pilot Light. And uh, November 29th, the Grolix Comedy Show at the Bug Theater in Denver, Colorado. All those dates are on VarenVaughn.com. Please check that shiza out. Um, And I will post the podcast on Sunday. So, poopity farts, guys. Bye. Bye.